Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Supercoach Edge, where we'll be bringing you all of the insight, analysis, and hopefully the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Liam. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Damon. How are you going? I'm feeling uh, much, much better now uh, <laughs> after having watched uh, my mob in uh, the Mighty Baggers. Absolutely trounced. Well, they didn't trounce, but they um, they had a nice win over your mob in Essendon. Um, so, uh, you know, I always take great delight in, uh, in beating the Dons, even if it is only the preseason. Yeah, it was definitely a nice win for the Blues today, Damon. But just remember, there's no cup handed out in February. You are you are right. They, they don't hand out cups in, in February, but they do hand them out. However, in March, <laughs> as I finally remember, 2005, the Wizard Cup, the likes of Favola kicking oh. snags against West Coast. I know it's only a preseason cup, but I haven't seen a premiership since 95, so I've got to, <laughs> I've got to salvage those little, those little moments. No, I totally understand. 6,000 days. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but you've gone there. But um, that's 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 hit the quota, I think, for this uh, this episode. So, David, where can our listeners find us? Uh, they can find us on Twitter, which is at supercoach underscore edge, or on our own personal Twitter accounts at damoj88, or at your really long convoluted um, handle <laughs> at l underscore evans underscore ninety five. Oh, I thought you were going to say something then. <laughs> You're just taking it like a man. Okay. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, or uh, Facebook, Supercoach Edge, or Instagram, again, Supercoach Edge. So hit us up on either of those channels. Uh, send through your mock teams, your questions, which, uh, which we do incorporate into one of our Q&A segments, which you'll find out uh, that we have a bit of fun with later on in the show. So um, send them across. So with that out of the way, I guess, um, you know, being the first show of 2021, but also the very first show of, of, of our existence, really, <laughs> um, it's probably a good, uh, good moment for us to just touch on our backgrounds, how we got into Supercoach um, and our, our love affair um, where it began in humble beginnings. So uh, Liam, kick us off. Now, before you actually do, though, I'm just going to preface it by saying that in Supercoach circles, it's well-renowned, well-renowned. It's even been written in the Herald Sun, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> that you are the Matty Rowell of Supercoach. Explain yourself, good sir. I wouldn't go that far, Damon. 
It has been a rather short career so far. I only played the three seasons, um, but I, I have done reasonably well for myself, I think, improving each year, even if I do say so myself. Um, 2018 was my first season. Uh, started with an overall ranking of 10,442. 2019 brought that down to 7,869. And then in 2020, uh, followed it up with a 933 finish, um, which... Yeah, I was pretty pleased with, to be perfectly honest. Well, so you should. Like, you, you say it's short, but it is sweet so far. Like, you know, you've burst in the scene, Maddie Rao. <laughs> Gee whiz. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, if you think of me as the Maddie Rao, then I uh, definitely think you are the Michael Tark of the Supercoach world. Touche, I like that. That's very good. But that probably indicates that I'm a complete fossil, which is, which is, uh, which is true. <laughs> because um, my journey with Supercoach dates all the way back. All the way back. I sound like uh, Abe Simpson now. I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. No. It dates all the way back to uh, the <laughs> early 2000s when I was in high school, which makes me sound ancient, which which I am. But believe it or not, I actually didn't didn't start off playing Supercoach. I was, I was playing AFL Dream Team, which as it was called back in the day before it became AFL Fantasy, and was a big fan of the, uh, the DT Talk Boys, uh, for any listeners out there that are familiar with them. Um, but when Dream Team expanded the number of trades to virtually unlimited trades, it kind of took a bit of the fun out of the game. So then I jumped across to um, to the mistress that is uh, <laughs> Supercoach, and whoa, what a saucy mistress she is. Um, she's treated me well, but she's also treated me with a bit of disdain as well from year to year. And that was seen in 2020 in all its glory, where I had one of my worst finishes of all time, finished 18,000 odd, but Leading up to that, I've had um, quite a nice run. My highest ranking was uh, in 2019 where I finished 147th overall. But one thing I can hang my hat on, which is I've got to take my game to the next level, is I've got an average finishing rank of 7,338 um, over the past seven years. Nice. Um, so I've been consistent, if if nothing else. But um, that's probably enough of an insight into our boring backgrounds and association with Supercoach. Let's give uh, listeners a little bit of an insight into what we're going to be bringing them in uh, 2021. Yep, so we'll be bringing analysis, breakdowns, and insightful discussions throughout the Supercoach season. Uh, We'll be bringing some tactical insights around our own strategies, with a particular emphasis on uh, trades and structures throughout the year, which can uh, set up a season or cause it to crash and burn. Which is pretty much uh, what happened when I traded in uh, Rosie after his second game. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mr. Rosie. Too soon. It is, yeah, actually, it is too soon. But also the big one is uh, we're going to be lining up regular interviews with previous winners, notable coaches in the community, and of course, stats gurus that uh, you may already be familiar with on Twitter. But outside of that, we want to make this platform as interactive as possible. So, you know, if you have a question, a burning question, send it our way across social media and you'll feature in the show, of course. Um, But also, you know, if you have any questions around team structure, strategies, all that stuff, which we will get into um, in in uh, episodes to follow, but uh, hit us up because that's that's the name of the game and that's why we enjoy doing what we do. Now, with all that admin out of the way, let's chat about the scratch matches that have been played thus far. Alrighty, so the uh, the first one is uh, well happened yesterday. Yesterday, I say yesterday, which was the twenty fourth of Feb uh, between the doggies and the hawks. Uh, the doggies beating Hawthorne by 15 points, 15, 7, 97 to 12, 10, 82. And, uh, we've got a few notable stats here. Um, one, one thing that kind of crept into the stats market, uh, last year was CBAs, which is the center bounce attendances. So, uh, we've got those for, for this match and the other matches that have been played. And for the Western Bulldogs, 
we have Libba with 23, Martin with 19, that's Steph Martin, Bont with 19, Dunkley with 17, Bailey Smith with 15, Lipinski 12, English 10, and Scott 1. Now, uh, before we get into the Hawks, I know a lot of people out there have, uh, have kind of got a little bit excited about Dunkley being up there in the top four with 17 CBAs. Now, can we read too much into it? That's the thing, because there were a couple of players missing, weren't there? Yeah, definitely. So we have McRae out um, and also Trelaw. Um, to be honest, I, I do like the look of Dunks, but I'm not, not sure he was going to make it into my Supercoach team, especially early on. Yeah, I mean, with uh, with their their coach, you just just can't trust him. I mean, yeah, you can't trust Bevo. Any coach that can thrust a midfielder <laughs> into a full time ruck role virtually throughout the year, <laughs> I just can't trust. So that's that's it for me. And unless I see, you know, when at least when McRae comes back in for the next match, um, yeah. I understand probably Trelaw won't won't play the next one. Um, but if McRae comes in and he still is able to maintain, you know, CBAs of of seventeen or thereabouts. My ears will prick up, but I think until then, um, it's it's too much of a trap for me. As for Hawthorne with their CBAs, we've got Warple topping the list equally with Jaeger O'Meara with 19. Uh, big boy McAvoy uh, had 17. Uh, Moore with 13. Segler 12. Bruce 12. Tom Phillips, the new recruit for the Hawks with 11. Cousins 10. Howe 2. And Morrison 1. The one thing that stuck out to me was Tom Phillips. He's kind of been on, been on the cusp of my team. He's not in my team at the moment. But uh, following his career closely at the Pies and, and seeing how well he went back in 2018, 2019, thereabouts, I know he does have the potential to score well. And uh, going across to the Hawks with the loss of Scully, uh, who else did they lose? Isaac uh, Smith. I, Isaac Smith, yes, of course. I think there is a, a place for him, especially on the wing. But uh, they did miss Tom Mitchell, yeah. which I think um, when he comes back into the side, I think he's going to eat up quite a few of those CBAs. I think potentially Phillips could stay around about that 10 mark, but I think he's going to push more onto the wing. So yeah. get out of the, you know, the engine room as it were. So that's probably the main read in terms of a midfielder point of view. We do know also that uh, Jarman Impey, for me, he's one of the, the value locks of the season. Um, and he looked quite impressive from all reports playing off halfback. Um, I don't know if you, have you got him in your team at the moment? Yeah, I, I still have him in my team. He's been um, one that I've been very interested in, in trying to keep in um, as, as a mid-pricer in the forward line um, with the rookies um, being a little bit more unreliable, I guess. Very true. And speaking of rookies, there was one potential rookie to uh, to consider, wasn't there, for the Hawks in, uh, in Downey? Yes. Uh, by all reports, he played quite well across the wing um, and he's uh, uh, priced at 117 thousand in the midfield um so i think he is one to definitely keep an eye on in the in the rest of the preseason and make see if he's in the uh, the team sheets for round one and uh there was another game as well there was a couple that were kicked off today on the 25th of feb uh first one was between uh my marvelous mob da 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 against yours <laughs> carlton 14 11 95 defeating essendon by 21 points 11 8 74 uh, Liam, I'll get you to run through the other CBAs for both teams, yeah. Uh, so for Carlton, we have Cripps at 20, Walsh 19, Williams 14, Dow 9, Martin also at 9, Kernow 8, Fogarty 2, Stocker 1, and Cunningham also 1. Um, for Essendon, uh, we had Caldwell with 23, uh, Merritt 19, Parrish 19, Langford 10, Shield 7, and Anthony McDonald, Tiffin Woody at uh, four. There was quite a bit of uh, quite a few super coach relevant players uh, in this game. 
Um, do you want to kick off with uh, what you found uh, interesting, Damon? Yeah, on the on the Carlton side of things, um, I was kind of a, a bit surprised because he wasn't really one that I'd factored in. And I don't think a lot of people factored in uh, when they were watching this match. I think all eyes were on, you know, the likes of, of Walshie, um, yeah. Paddy Cripps, uh, Zach Williams, of course. But one guy who stuck out who could come into calculations now because of his performance. And as a Carlton supporter, I'm quite pleased to see this guy perform quite well. Even though it is one match, you can't read too much into it. But that man is uh, Paddy Wow, as we know him. <laughs> so Paddy Dow, he looked absolutely superb. Yeah, uh, as you said before, he's, he had nine CBAs, which was um, quite pleasing to see. Uh, equal with, uh, with Martin, with nine. And just as a supporter, just looking at his physique... And his style of game, he's, he's well and truly bulked up, which is one thing that he was kind of lacking uh, ever since he's been um, in the competition. Mm-hmm. He, he burst out of the blocks back in 2018 and, and you know, he had that turn of speed and and um, really set set a few games alight. Yeah, he looked quite good. Uh, but ever since then, like his, his main criticism, I think, especially last year, was he was getting pushed off the ball quite easily. And you look at his physique now and he's, uh, he's bulked himself up quite nicely and was actually fending off opponents but not just that, like there's always that worry that players bulk up too much and they lose their, their, their speed and, you know, they start turning like the bloody Queen Mary and all that. <laughs> um, but he even had the confidence to sidestep opponents at one stage, which um, was one bit of play, which had me lifting my table um, by a good um, good few feet in the air um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go into detail about that. This is a podcast you want to keep, uh, you know, PG rated. Um, but yeah, the fact that, that he had a nice bit of play there, he was sidestepped uh, his opponent and then hit up Harry Mackay uh, on the lead who then converted. And I was like, that that's the sort of play that I didn't think he had in his game yet. Um, so he's got that confidence, I think, which is a big part of his game. He's got that, that mental um, fortitude, which he's really worked on, which is good yeah. to see. But from a super coach perspective, he comes in, believe it or not, at a price of 202400 So... He's in the same ballpark as a, you know, a German MP or a yeah. pushing up towards a, a Jack Zebel type player. So he does come still with an element of risk, as I said. Like it's only one game; it's a, it's not even really a preseason game. It's a, it's a scratch match. But from what I saw today, I've seen enough to indicate that he's now on my watch list. Yeah. Uh, if you can back this up again with another game that's just as higher quality, I think. Um, He's going to be pushing in there. It's going to be hard for me to try and find the funds to get him in, considering I've got uh, Zeeble uh, and I've also got Impy as well in that same bracket. But yeah, as I said, that price range, he comes with a little bit of a minor risk, but not too much. Yeah, got a forward line of mid prices there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll reveal our teaming in good time. But uh, we, we know, we both know that we've got, both got a team, especially our forward line of, uh, of mid prices there. They're filling up yeah. by the scratch match, I think. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think, as you said, the price of 202. K um, is quite enticing um, with the way he played today, but you just have to back it up to make me a bit more confident in in choosing him for round one. And I think also just touching on quickly from a Carlton perspective as well, Walsh has been in my team from the outset, so I'm, I'm confident in him stepping up. Uh, from yep. what I saw today, he wasn't a massive standout, but the fact that he had 19 CBAs, uh, second most uh, for Carlton, says to me that he's going to be pushing into the engine room, as we saw towards the back end of, of 2020, he was taken off the wing because he was played in the wing predominantly throughout the season for whatever reason, maybe to develop his outside game. I'm not too sure, but mm-hmm. there was indications there towards the back end of last year where he is going to be pushed into the engine room full time. And I think basing that off today, 
I think he's going to be, you know, in the engine room full time. Yeah, definitely. In the season proper. I think that's a that's a very good analysis there. I think also the other guy who well, I didn't write him off, but I didn't really consider him this year. Um, and usually he's one of my first picks in Paddy Cripps. Uh, he mm-hmm. was just simply superb. He was their best on, I think, for Carlton. Yeah, definitely. And he was everywhere across the ground. He did the work inside as he normally does, but then pushed up forward and just really looked imposing. And I know um, through my work with uh, with with Dylan Buckley on his uh, podcast, Dylan Friends, we just interviewed him the other the other week, actually. And he did mention that one part of his game that he's working on is his goal kicking. And that's probably the one part of his game that he's deficient in. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, he kicked a nice goal today. And, and really, if he can develop that part of his game up forward, he's going to he's gonna elevate his game in a super coach perspective as well, I think. So he's worked his way back into my team again, believe it or not. <laughs> but um, that's that. And the other guy is uh, Zach Williams. Um, what did you think of him? Yeah, Zach Williams looked quite good uh, playing that midfield role. Um, when he wasn't in the midfield, he was playing um, more so as a half forward. Um, so I think he, he managed to kick a goal, if I remember correctly. Um, so he looked he looked quite good in the middle. I think he had the first clearance of the game as well. Um, I think for his price point um, and bit getting that midfield role, I think he's, he's definitely one that I'd be... I'd be looking into if he's not already in your team. We'll be delving into into him and a few others that played in this match as well throughout um, segments to follow. But um, just from an Essendon perspective, uh, yeah, what did you make of the performances of Waterman? Now we know that um, he hasn't been given a list spot as yet, but it's safe to say he's going to be given a list spot now for sure. Surely after kicking four goals um, as as uh, as a forward in in Essendon's. Uh, team today, uh, you'd expect him to get um, a list spot, um, and hopefully uh, for us he does get that list spot because I'm hopeful that he'd be at a bargain basement price and would likely get some good games and be there for round one. Um, the other player of um, note today that had has been in in and out of my team um, this preseason is Caldwell. Um, obviously coming across to the Bombers earlier this year. He had the most centre bounce attendances for Essendon uh, with 23. Um, he looked quite good in the middle, and I think he, he'll uh, continue that role this year for the Bombers. Um, also uh, of note was Carousella post-game, Essendon's uh, assistant coach. Um, he just mentioned that Cox, Perkins and Jones, who all played in the side today, um, uh, have all had a pretty good preseason, and they're most likely in the frame for a round one debut. Awesome. That's uh, that's good to see as well because you know we we always want to have rookies cropping up. Um, Harrison Jones is one who caught my eye, um, but I know you mentioned as well uh, off air that he's very slight in build still. Yeah. I had a look at his bio on the the Essendon website, and he actually weighs as much as me, and and is like 30, <laughs> 30 centimeters taller than me. So um, at seventy four kilos, he's well and truly going to yeah. be blown away in the wind. I think. He's. I don't know how he. Uh... How he's still only what did you say seventy four kilos because he's he's definitely bulked up since last season. <laughs> but he's he's one that uh, that really stuck out to me, um, and one I'll keep an eye on. But again, as a, a key position player, yeah, he's not going to score that well, even if yeah. he does get opportunity. Uh, but Cox and Perkins, uh, a higher priced rookies, uh, should get opportunity. You think? Uh, yep, definitely Cox. I think he played quite well today. Um, in, on a wing roll, uh, he's 200 centimetres uh, playing as a wing. Trained with the midfield all of the preseason. Perkins, on the other hand, I think has been on was unrestricted uh, training for uh, a while. He's just recently joined the rest of the group. I'm not sure if there was any uh, injury concerns there. 
Um, so he hasn't had a full uh, preseason of full training, um, but he um, has been training with the forwards as well. So um, he's he's also another interesting pick that I'd like to keep an eye on in the uh, second preseason game. And there was another game as well, of course, that uh, was played. I think it started about 15 minutes after the Carlton Essendon one, which meant that uh, I wasn't able to tune into that one. But um, funnily enough, there isn't really much written about the game and probably for good reason, because the result uh, is an indication why. 91 points was the margin in the end. St Kilda 22-8, 140, defeating North Melbourne 6-13-49. So it was an absolute shellacking. But um, we have sourced a couple of uh, write-ups which one mentioned that um, Higgins played quite well for the Saints uh, played through the middle at stages uh, yep that's from what I've I've seen I think he did play through the middle uh, Highmore he only played the second half Highmore being the um, you know hopefully the uh, the rookie that we can pin our hopes on as a nice little bench option uh, only played the second half but uh, not too concerning at this stage I think it probably is coming down to a bit of management I think as well yeah um he does have a mature body, I think, and 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 can come into the St Kilda lineup with Patton going down, breaking his leg. Uh, there is a vacancy there, so I think he should. And from what I've what I've read and you know, what I can gather, he should be in calculations for round one. I know Ratton was pressed on it, and he was very coy about him making his debut. But reading between the lines, I think he should. Uh, other notable performances, but probably not on a super coach perspective was Mason Wood kicking four goals, but but good for him uh, to... You know, against his old side? Yeah, kick a bag against his old side, but um, not too many takeaways, as I said, from a super coach perspective. But um, I think with the North Melbourne rookies, there was a few players that didn't play. Um, yeah, Phillips. Phillips didn't play. Uh, so I think he's the one that everyone's got their eye on. Uh, so, you know, if you can play the second game, then... Yeah, Noble did mention that um, it was more from a management side and uh, the fact that I think a few of the other rookies had um, sort of stood out a bit more at training um, in the lead-up in the preseason. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried. He did say, he did flag that he might get a, a go for the next game in the preseason. Well, at least that's pretty reassuring, so that's good. Now it's time for our very first segment, which I think is uh, is already one of my favourites, just based purely upon the, uh, the audio sting alone. It is called The Team Sheet. <gasps> Mattingly! I thought I told you to trim those sideburns. Go home. You're off the team for good. <laughs> yes, that's right. It is the team sheet. Our very first segment for 2021. How random is that? But you got to somehow work that uh, that Simpsons reference in. It's, it's one of the one of my favourite moments. Love a good Simpsons reference. So, what's the team sheet? Are you asking? Is it anything related to the Simpsons? Well, no, it's it's not really. I just wanted to shoehorn that uh, that <laughs> that sting in. But um, no, we'll uh, we'll be running through each line, that being defence, midfield, rucks and forwards, and breaking it down into four categories, that being the locks, or first picked, on the radar, and smokies. Well, let's get into it now then, with our uh, defensive locks, David. I don't know about you, uh, but this bloke has been firmly locked in my side. Uh, Jake Lloyd may be the highest priced defender, but there's a uh, very good reason for that. Um, look, to be honest, I'm just going to say just pay up. Uh, he's uh, had 32 Supercoach 100s in 39 games in the last two seasons. Um, there's a reason why he, he costs what he does, and uh, it's just it's just too hard to get him in. Um, I feel like every year I, I don't start him, and I'm scrambling to get him in. Um, every year I say, oh, no, too, he'll, he'll come down in price. He might come down a little bit, but he never comes down enough uh, to make it easy to get him into my side. I don't know. Is that the same for you, Damon? 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much the exact same as me. Like uh, when we're going through these locks, it comes down to two categories. So obviously yeah. scoring factors into it, but also durability. And I think a lot of people yeah. out there, they kind of, they don't hold much weighting to durability as they do scoring. But for mm-hmm. me, as I've learned over the years, being a fossil that I am, <laughs> and I've learned being the Michael Tuck of Supercoach, I've kind of learned that durability is as important as scoring, if not more important. Um, and for me, that he, he ticks a massive box there. He's played 82 of a possible 83 games, only missing the one game, which was in 2019, which speaks absolute volumes to how durable and consistent he is. So that's just off the back of that alone, lock and load. Definitely. But we all know he's scoring as well. So he's dipped below 100 only once in 2020. That's just once. That, that is absolutely <laughs> insane. And you think, again, in context of the fact that he's a defender... And those are the sort of scores that you'd get from a midfielder. Like, it's it's crazy. I think for me, like, you, you just have to lock him in. I know people, they scramble about the price and, oh, he's yeah. not good value. Um, but, I mean, like you said, I've I've gone down the exact same path where I haven't started with Lloyd. And I thought, oh, he's too, he's too pricey. He's going to come down in price. You know, he'll score a 60 on an odd week and then he'll drop. And then I'll be able to get him in a couple of weeks. Yeah. That, that hasn't happened. He's, that's what I mean. Like he's he's that consistent. Um, and you just got to look at the fact that over the past three years, he scored an average of 112, 108 and 122. You've just got to get on him. That's the thing. It comes down to like yeah. value versus points made. Uh, if you're not getting Lloyd in your team from the outset, think of it in terms of the amount of points you're going to be losing as opposed to, oh, look, I'm saving cash that I'm able to splash out across my side. It's just the differential there it's weighed still more in terms of the points that you're going to be losing out on. So I think you've just you've just got to start. You just got to start him. Yeah, and I, I do I, I do think he will drop in value. Um, um, overall, uh, we've seen a bit of an inflation in prices uh, in scores last year due to the shorter quarters. Um, and I, so I do think that he probably is slightly priced slightly higher than um what 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 he will be. Mm, uh, but you've got to bank the points. Um, like you got to think of the points that you're going to bank. Um, from him just being in your team. Um, as I said, every year I think he's too expensive and then uh, it's just too hard to get him uh, to get him in later on in the season. Yeah. So I think this is probably yeah, the first season that I've actually started him. Thinking back to seasons where I haven't started with him and I'm scrambling to try and get him in, I remember it's, it's actually cost me like two plus trades in order to try and get him in because he's still at that high price point. I don't have any bank to put towards it. Like if you're going for someone, you know, of a... Yeah, you know, say for example, if you're going for a Zach Williams as like your make or break, like you know you're going to throw balls to the wall, <laughs> like you know, and and save all this money, like you're saving 200k, and you're like, oh well, that's that's good because I'm going to be putting that money towards strengthening the rest of my side. But think of it in terms of okay, like say Zach Williams goes up 100k over the course of the season, but Jake Lloyd maintains his price of 656,400. You're still having to find 100 grand from somewhere. Yeah. in order to upgrade to him. Exactly. So that means in having to downgrade another rookie, make that extra 100K, and then spend another trade on top of that in order to upgrade Zach Williams to a, to a Jake Lloyd. So I think for me, you're costing yourself too many trades when push comes to shove, I think. It's just, you, you can't afford to do it. Definitely. I think also um, some things to note with him are that he is the designated kick-in um, player for the uh, for the Swans. Um, he was ranked third last year for playing on from kick-ins as well. Um, 95.7% of the time he's, he's, uh, he's played on. 
And with the new rule change with the extra, extra space for the man on the mark um, from a kick in, I just think it's going to suit him even more. He's going to play on and he's going to get a long kick out and it's, it's just going to help boost those points for him. Well, there is a reason why people call him the seagull, isn't it? Like 95.7% <laughs> of the time he plays on, he just, he loves those cheap stats that just, that just paddies, you know, his stat line and no, he's, he's great. That's why we in the super coach community absolutely love him. But um, lock and load. That's that's the that's the verdict. Yeah, just pay for him. Just pay for him exactly. Don't don't stuff around. Uh, next up, we've got uh, the next category in defence, which is on the radar, and this is a guy that's on the radar for both of us. I think. Yeah. He's one that's definitely on the radar for myself, and that's Rory Laird, who comes in at five hundred sixty-four thousand eight hundred, and again breaking it down into durability and in terms of scoring. So durability, he's played eighty-one of a possible eighty-three games, missing just the two games over the past four seasons. Um, and those two games were in 2018. And in terms of scoring, as we saw last year, he, he sort of had a slow start to the year, but yeah. he's as consistent as they come. So like over the past four years, he's averaged 100, 108, 96, and 105. And like I said, like he started the year pretty slow last year, but it was when he was actually pushed into, into the, the midfield, believe yeah. it or not. Uh, it was averaging 75.5% CBAs across the last eight games of last year Oof. so that's that's crazy numbers yeah. like that's that's up there with like a, a Patrick Dangerfield like a full-time midfielder so that indicates to me that he's got to be pushing into the midfield again I think given he, he did it to great effect last year I think the Crows would be silly to not uh, continue with it but when you factor in you know that he had zero CBAs in the first eight games it's massive like he's scoring to average 105 and, yeah. and then get that 75.5% CBAs in the last eight games is is uh, is massive, and then you factor in also that they've lost Brad Crouch, who was a massive cornerstone of their engine room. So you have to think of it in terms of well, okay, look at how many CBAs he was getting, and they're going to have to go somewhere. So I think in terms of that alone, he's he's going to stay in the midfield. I think. I agree with you there as well. Uh, my choice as well was Rory Laird. So once he moved into middle, as you said, he averaged um, 125.25 points, um, which is just massive um, to be able to have that in in your in your defensive line, especially. Um, and I do think as well, Brad Crouch's departure is just going to make him even more irresistible. With with that in mind, I think uh, he's almost a lock for me as well. Uh, there was another guy as well, which we've we've put in there late, but um, again, he I'd, I'd say he's on the radar because of the fact that. He does present a bit of value, mm-hmm. but he also does have a bit of uh, a bit of scoring history behind him, solid scoring history. And that man is Zach Williams coming in at 458,600. Um, do you want to kick us off with uh, with your thoughts on him, Liam? Yeah, so uh, Zach Williams is uh, definitely one to uh, consider. Um, but there's a few points that I'd, I'd want to go through with him as well. So the new role um, that we've seen him play in um, well, the practice match uh, today um, was as that midfield and then resting at, as a half forward, um, it, we're just going to help his scoring. So you've seen him go on the ball a few times at the Giants. Um, when he did, his scoring was quite good. And I do think that there's quite good value for the money. The one concern for me um, really is, is his durability. He's, he's a player that's missed quite a lot of football. I think about 32 games in the past four, four seasons. Um, mainly through soft tissue injuries. Um, he's a player with history of injuries while playing off halfback. So if he's moved into the middle, could also be um, made worse by a midfielder role. Um, it could be an issue. It might not be. Um, 
the other thing to consider is just with teams being released um, the day before um, now, um, it could be possible carnage with him being a laid out um, if he does have a, have a bit of a niggle. Um, I don't think you'd expect him to play every game of the season. Um, but overall, I think he's probably going to keep his spot in my team. Uh, the value is just too good to pass up. Um, but I'd just prepared to trade him out um, or just to have a cover for him in case he misses last minute. I have a, a very similar uh, line of thinking as well. You pretty much covered all of it in terms of durability. Like, yeah, to, to miss 32 games. And we, we know that he, he missed 2018 because of an Achilles injury. The fact that he has sustained soft tissue injuries that have persisted throughout his career, mm-hmm. I think, indicates that it wouldn't surprise to see him come down with a niggle or two throughout the year, especially when you factor in that he is in a full-time, you know, a different full-time role this year with Carlton, pushing into the middle as an inside mid. So, you know, with that comes, you know, the extra hits that you cop yeah. uh, as an inside midfielder. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I think it's, you probably should be expecting to trade him out through the year um, when that time does come. Uh, I think he still will make some money for oh, us definitely. because yeah. of the fact that he is, you know, 458600 is is a bargain. Um, but I think just... Touching on the the injury side of things, what's most frustrating about him? If you have a look at his his history, when you take uh, that, you know the the fact that he missed the full year in 2018, is the fact that he has a tendency to sustain niggles throughout the year. Yeah. So like there's instances many a time where he'll miss a game, come back, play for one or two, and then miss again, which really exposes your defensive depth. And in previous years the depth of rookies really hasn't been there. Yeah. Um, this year may be a different story. It's, it will just, it's just a wait and see, but that's always something to factor in that if he does sustain an injury, say during the middle of the year when he does max in price and you have started to trade out those rookies and cash them in, but you're left with you know little um, reliable scorers yeah. in terms of rookies on the bench, that, that leaves you really exposed. So... What I'm trying to do and what I'm having in mind is is just keeping a trade up my sleeve for him um, because I am expecting him to break down at some stage. It does hurt me to say that as a Carlton supporter. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, given his history, you can't ignore that. Um, but, like, yeah, in terms of scoring, like he's averaged 88, 94, 101 and 85 over the past four seasons. So even as a, as a full-time defender, uh, he does have that scoring history. And for that price point, I mean, you can't go wrong. Um and then we also gave we also had a little bit of a sneak peek uh, at at the Giants when he was there mm-hmm. when he did play in the middle uh, when he played against the Pies uh, it was one notable game in uh, in 2019 when he absolutely smashed it and was best on ground um, and I think that's probably a, a bit of a a bit of a sneak preview as to what we could potentially expect in terms of his scoring ceiling yeah um, because I think his floor is quite high as well so he's reliable in terms of scoring um, and then as I said at, at that price point. His value, definitely, and especially with the four teams that are clear, uh, center, center bounce attendances today, um, that's that's just uh, showing showing the role that he's going to be playing. Absolutely, yeah. And in terms of uh, the next one, we've got the next uh, category, which is Smokies, and um, you could probably lump a couple of players into this category. Yeah. Um, one of which was Wayne Miller, but um, unfortunately. For uh, for him and for the Crows, he went down with a patella tendon injury, which uh, which looks to be sidelining him for 
I think all of all of uh, 2021. So that's um, devastating news for um, for him because he was definitely one one potential breakout candidate in defence um, that was going to be pushing through the middle. But um, all the best to him and his recovery. Uh, but the uh, the other guy who we have been looking at is Harms of Melbourne in defence and um, is following a, a similar sort of path to Miller in the sense that uh, there is whispers that he could be playing through the middle. Uh, like he did back in 2019, where he uh, he did it to great effect, averaging 95 points across the season. Uh, and a big part of his game as playing as an inside midfielder is the fact that uh, he's not uh, he's not afraid to tackle, averaging five tackles a game, and that's a real big part of his game. Um, yeah, if he gets to push into the middle there, he is going to be one that you need to jump on. But we'll we'll jump into him and uh, you know analyze him a little bit further in our next episode after we've seen him play in the practice match against Richmond. Definitely. That just about wraps it up, I think, in terms of uh, defenders. Um, now, onto the all-important juicy midfield. Uh, who have we got first up for, for locks? I think we can probably, listeners can probably guess as to who it would be. Um, but having said that, uh, in recent weeks, uh, he has been under a little bit of an injury cloud. And uh, that man is Lockie Neal. Uh, he's priced at a whopping 721800 So if you want him, you're going to have to pay up. Um, but three words, get him in. Yeah. I'll break it down in terms of this. Like durability, I know I just said that he's, he's been under an injury cloud, but you've also got to factor in that he isn't just any regular player that's coming from an injury. Um, he's one of the most durable men in the competition. Can you believe, get this, he's played 82 of a possible 83 games over the past four years. 82 of 83 games like that durability off the charts and I know (laughs) he's under a cloud at the moment but that says to me he has a body that can kind of get over injuries Um, I'm sure he's sustained these sort of injuries or he's pulled up sore in matches and he's been able to push through it and manage his body to come up the next week so I think for me I'm I'm not scared off Um, I'd actually much prefer this to be happening to scare off a lot of people in not buying him and starting without him because He's the sort of player at that price point, especially if you start without him, he's going to be so, so hard to try and get in. Um, Definitely. But, you know, having said that, he's uh, he's probably overpriced, which which I think you can probably go into a bit more detail about as well, just because of, you know, last year's scoring uh, system was inflated a bit because of limited minutes with, uh, with games. But is he going to come down in price enough to justify starting without him? Um, for me... You know, you've just got to look at his, his first few games of the season and he's going to absolutely smash it. Like, he's he's the sort of player that uh, once he turns it on, he's uh, he's very hard to try and get out of uh, out of the zone. Uh, Scoring-wise, uh, over that period where he's, uh, where he's played 82 of a possible 83 games, he's averaged 118.32 and tunned up on 73.2% of those games. So that, you know, he, he took it to another level in 2020. Um also with uh, with tons in 82.4% of games which is you know 14 of 17 games so for me incredible. you know he's got that massive massive ceiling which is why you're paying up that extra coin uh, but he's also got a really really sizable floor so for me he comes with that surety of knowing that you've got a captaincy option every week um, so you know for me he's, he's a lock and load that's that's all I can say yeah, they definitely call him Lockie Neal for a reason. So, yeah, for me as well, Neal is a, a definite lock. Um, he scored 150-plus in seven matches last season and over 125 in 14. Um, that's just massive. He's had a hot start 
uh, in the past two seasons, averaging 150.8 uh, in 2020 and 136.2 in 2019 in the first six matches. So it's definitely going to be hard to see him coming down in price early on. Um, maybe over the course of the season you might be able to get him in, but it's also points that you're missing out on um, early on if you if you don't don't start with him. One thing that I just want to keep in mind as well is that his scores um, from last season are probably inflated. Um, mm, good point. We've we've seen that with a, with a fair few of those top price players um, with with the shorter quarters, um, just more of the points were were sort of given. To the more more of the pie was given to those top scorers. Um, so, like in twenty nineteen, for instance, he had a, an average of one hundred uh, hundred twenty one, and in twenty twenty, he had an average of one hundred thirty four. Um, it's um, but despite that, I still think he's just it's, he's an absolute lock. Um, the captaincy choice becomes pretty easy when you've got when you've got a player like Lockie Neal in the team as well. So that's something else to consider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a big jump as well, isn't it? Like we all know he's a quality player, but to jump like thirteen points on average yeah. in a season just goes to show how much his scoring was inflated. Yeah, uh, and we know he's he's yeah his price is going to drop. But I mean, I always go on with the mindset, and you're probably the same as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're selecting premiums, you're selecting them for their scoring ability as opposed to their yeah. price, or yeah. whether the fact they're going to they're going to hold price or whatever. Definitely, you're not you're not choosing him. It's all good and well to say that you want the value, but at the end of the day, the the game isn't played on value; it's played on points. Bang um, on. If at the end of the season you can have all the value choices, but you, you might not win yeah. because you, you haven't got the points on the board. And uh, that about wraps it up for the uh, the locks in the midfield. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our next category on the radar. Uh, and uh, we've got someone here who is in calculations for yourself. Who is that yeah. person? Uh, so he's actually um, Lockie Neal's offsider, uh, Jared Lyons. Um, he's, he's on the radar. He's been in my team um, at a few stages. Um, he's a bit of an interesting uh, point of difference here. Um, so he has finished last season in the top 10 for mids. Um, he averaged about 112.5, I think. Um, but the year before, he did average 99. So he's been fairly consistent since coming across from the Gold Coast. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, he's not in many teams, less than 1%. Um, so if you, don't have the, if you don't have the cash to get up to, say, a Clary or a Steel, um, you can you could do a lot worse than, than a Jared Lyons. Um, he will be a pretty consistent scorer if you midfield. Um, I'm fairly certain he's pretty durable as well off, off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's the thing as well. Like, you make a good point about the fact that he's only losing less than 1% of teams. And, you know, there's so much spoken about trying to find PODs, like point of differences. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there, I think, that, that kind of don't understand that there's a difference between going for a POD that isn't reliable, doesn't have yeah. the scoring history, um, as opposed to someone who, you know, no one's going to go for. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So I think, yeah, he is a POD, but he's, he's he's actually got that scoring history behind him and he's consistent. And I think, yeah, it, it, as, we, as we saw last year, I think, especially towards the latter end of the season, like he, he actually turned it on and was, was probably scoring more than like Neil had those games there where he was a bit down and scoring Yeah, definitely. and he actually scored more more than him. Um, and the other side of the coin is that the fact that Neil's going to get attention more so than Lyon. So 
you know, when it comes to teams that have a really good tagger like a, you know, GWS with um, with DeBoer, he's going to go to Lockie Neal every time as opposed to, to Lyons. So, you know, if that's going to happen, then, you know, you, you, it's safe to think that Lyons is going to be off the chain and he's going to get more opportunity uh, to find the ball uh, roaming free as opposed to, you know, Lockie taking the, um, the you know, number one tagger. Like, as you said, the, to the latter end of that season, um, he scored round 15, 138, round 16, 113, and then round 17, 136. Wow. So there's definitely that, uh, that that scoring ability, even with Neil in the team. Yeah. His season high last year was 147 in round 8. So what are your thoughts for On The Radar, Damon? Uh, so I've actually got down Paddy Cripps, uh, one of our mainstays of my team, over the years, but um, up until today, he's been on the fringes of my radar. He uh, previous yeah. years he's kind of been a lock, uh, whereas this year he just kind of I was a bit put off by last year. But then I thought about it a bit more, and then off the back of uh, today's game against the Dons and seeing <laughs> how he performed in the scratch match, my mind was was then cast back to to you know the glory days of when he was one of my first picked, and I slapped myself across the face in ever doubting him, because from what I saw today, uh, he's back to his best, I think. Uh, just looking at his scores over the past three years, he's averaged 119, 117, and then last year was 97.5, which, as I said, it, it, it yeah. did put me off, but you've got to factor in that he did play through a shoulder injury True last injury, year, yeah. and there were stages yeah. there where he went off, obviously got an injection, came back, back on as if like he just got a, a brand new shoulder, and then, you know, started started playing well, but not to the same extent that he was in previous years. So for me, I think if he's over that injury, um, and I think he's had some surgery on it, um, you know, he should be he should be back to his best, I think. And from what we saw he today, there's every today. indication that, that that's going to be the case. Um, yeah, 100%. I think, like, durability-wise, you know, he's, he's played a full season three years ago, and then he only played 20 uh, the year before, and then last year was only the... Well, I say only 17. He played every game, but he wasn't at his full capacity. That's a thing. He yeah. probably should have missed games because of that shoulder injury, but he shouldered on. He shouldered on. He soldiered on. <laughs> Freudian slip that probably still applies. Um, but then also just looking at the positives from today, he had the most CBAs uh, for Carlton. Yeah. So, you know, he's back in the uh, in the engine room. I know there were stages last year where he was pushed up forward when he should have been played in the middle. And that was because I think they were trying to manage his shoulder injury. And a big criticism on his game has always been his goal kicking and as we saw today he took a really imposing mark he's a really hard player to match up on as we know he's a he's a tall tall midfielder and he's a, a normal normal size tall forward um and i think he played against francis and there was a stage there where i think it was sad was running through the middle uh which would have hurt yourself as a don supporter i imagine <laughs> salty stuff salty stuff exactly and sorry mum burst through the middle and then he um, bombed it in and, and um, Cripper got a um, got yeah, a mark. A and, mark. Yeah, like he's, he's really hard to match up on and yeah. that's never been a criticism, but the criticism has been his lack of goal-kicking ability. Yeah. Um, and I think he scored seven goals and 11 off the top of my head last year. Um, so like, yeah, his he's, he's conversion percentage isn't the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can iron that out of his game and take his game to another level in that respect but i can totally see him raising himself back up to that 117 mark what do you think yeah he's definitely one that's um, made his way back into my team after after his efforts today 
Um, and I, I agree with you um, entirely there. I think he played through some injury last year. Um, and I think that that really did affect his scores. If he's if he can get, him, get himself right there, I think with Walsh and Williams coming into the midfield, um, some of that load of um, maybe he's taken off him, um, but in a, in, a, in a positive way, I guess, where he's not the the, the one that has to be relied on and, and cops the cops the heavy hits uh, constantly. Um, that might actually work positively for him and for his scoring. Um, and on in that. Um, I think, as you said, his his ability to hit the scoreboard um, effectively and um, efficiently, I guess, um, his scoring efficiency would be uh, much would would improve his game definitely. I think just having a quick look here, he scored in quite a few games, a fair few behinds, um, as you said, about 11, 11 behinds across the year um, for the seven goals. Um, but I think he actually scored in quite a few games, so if he could convert some of those those into goals, it actually become quite. Uh, it really helped improve your scoring in a super co- super coach sense as well. Uh, that uh, takes us on to the next category, which is of course the smoky. Now, um, there's a couple of players here that belong to your mob, yep. uh, Essendon. Uh, kick us off with uh, with your first. Yeah, so my first one is the uh, the captain Dyson Heppel. Um, he's one that um, I I hadn't really considered until a little bit more. Uh, recently, I, I tend to try and stay away from Bombers players um, when I when I choose my teams. I don't like to I like to play with my head rather than my heart. And if I have too many Bombers players, I can become a bit too attached to them. Um, so I try and avoid them from the beginning. Um, so, but Heppel has made his way into my team. Um, he's had obviously a pretty injury affected a couple of last a couple last couple of seasons have been pretty injury affected. Um, he's managed managing just the three games in 2020 um, and about 18 in 2019. But other than that, he's actually been quite a durable player. Um, he's played out most seasons of his career um, without too many injuries. And by all reports, he's he's been moving well. Um, he didn't have the he didn't stand out um, massively in today's game, but he was still moving quite well. Um, compared to what he was last year where you could really see that he was hampered by that foot injury. Mm. Um, and uh, as we've seen, he's he's had that change in role back to halfback, uh, which I think can suit him. He's been shown to be able to uh, score from that position um, and he should be able to make us some quick cash, um, especially at his price point. Um, so he's priced at just under three uh, 320k. Um, it's slightly awkwardly priced, not quite a rookie but definitely not a primo at that price if things go wrong he he could be hard to offload so that does that is an issue there but with one thing that we do know is that if, as long as he's fit he'll be playing so there's not that risk with the rookies where um that we might find some carnage with the uh with the thursday without the thursday namings uh team names um coming out um one major thing i think i'd like to look at is his is his scoring um, his lowest average year, so barring last year where he had a couple of injury-affected games, uh, was actually his first season, and that was an average of 83. Um, and that's sort of the role where he's going back into um, in that half-back role. Um, so I do think he's actually a relatively good pick if you if you want to take the risk on him. That price, he, he should be able to make some good cash. Um, he's been pretty consistent, so I definitely think he can replicate sort of the, the, those past scores of the 80s to 90s from that backline role. Being a Don supporter, you obviously know more than me, so um, I, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very hesitant to pick him. But as you said, like you know, his his durability hasn't been as bad as what you'd think it is. But 
I think, yeah, if you can get over those injuries, and as as you said, like the fact that he has that scoring capacity behind him, yeah. and that scoring history, you know, he can pick it with confidence. As long as he can get his body right, that's literally the only thing. He's, he's the captain of the club. He's going to get games every week. Um, yeah. And he's playing in a favorable halfback role that, you know, he used yeah. to play in. So, you know, uh, for me, I, I, I won't pick him at this stage. Um, yeah. We saw him play in the scratch match against Carlton, but he did a couple of nice things. Um, but the one thing that stuck out for me was uh, <laughs> was he tried to outrun... Uh, was coming here. <laughs> he tried to outrun Zach Fisher and uh, got pinged for that, which stuck out in my mind for, for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, he's, he's one to watch for me, I think. Um, and he's, he's definitely... Yeah. Um, Definitely one I think that's it's sensibly called as a smoky. So um, I, I I agree with you there. Definitely, I think you made a, a good point there with his uh, with the fact that he will be named in every game. Basically, he's, we're not going to have to worry about him being dropped for for having one or two bad games. He's the captain of the club. If he does have a bad game, he's he's going to be in the team. But I, I just don't think you'll. I don't think there's too much risk with him playing off the halfback line. Yeah, unless unless your name's Stephen Canilio, that is. But um, <laughs> but well, it'll be fine. It's Dyson Heppel, so he's a. Uh, He's a guy. He's safe. He's, he's safe. Uh, the other player, uh, which I um, mm-hmm. alluded to before, who also plays for the Dons, is uh, is Caldwell, the uh, the big recruit, uh, the big young recruit for the Dons, uh, coming in at three hundred and forty eight thousand six hundred. And we saw him today, uh, and he impressed uh, quite uh, quite well. Actually, he caught the eye yeah. majorly because of the fact that he had twenty three CBAs, which was. Um, Absolutely insane. Um, it was the most Definitely. for the Dons. Most for the Dons. Yeah. So, I don't know. What 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 do you think? I'll throw it to you first up. What what are your thoughts? I mean, I want to preface the fact that he had 23 uh, CBAs with the fact that McGrath didn't play. Um, he's definitely in the starting midfield. And Shield did sit out the second half. So, I don't know whether you'd expect him to have such a high number of CBAs um, in the season. Um, not necessarily saying that he won't have many but I do think that it'll, it probably won't be quite as as high as that um, in in the season proper, um, and even possibly in the in the next uh, the next preseason game. Um, he definitely came across uh, to the Bombers on the uh, on the promise, I guess, of an opportunity in the midfield that he wasn't wasn't getting in in G- at GWS uh, with their with, with all their midfielders. Um, so. I think I think he will get that that opportunity in the midfield, um, and the fact that he's also forward eligible um, does make him a very tantalising option. Yeah, for me, like he only made his way into my side off the back of that game. Um, mm. He was he was always on the radar for me, but because um, I knew he was going to get opportunity, obviously, yeah, he was choosing between multiple clubs to go to, and he chose Essendon for a reason. The fact that he's going to be promised opportunity uh, that says to me that. And, and off the back of today as well, like that's sort of the first bit of data that we've seen where, yeah, it's it's proven that he's going to be getting the opportunity in the middle. And with that comes the opportunity for, for some decent scoring. Um, Definitely. Over the, over the course of his career, or at least last year anyway, when he did have a little bit of an opportunity to come in and break into the Giants side, he averaged 64.8 um, from nine games. So it shows that um, whilst... You know, it's not massive scoring. Um, he is still a you know a relatively young player in the game, and you know another year under his belt, he's going to take his game to another level. Yeah, awesome. And uh, that wraps us up for the all important mids. Let's move forward to uh, to the rucks, and this is probably a, an easy discussion. I think um, going back maybe three yeah three four weeks ago, it was it was maybe a bit different. Um, a lot of people yeah. were approaching this uh, area of their team. Uh, with a bit of a different uh, strategy potentially going for one of 
Gorn or Grundy and Proust lining up next to them. But uh, as we saw, Proust went down with injury. So uh, with that comes a, a bit of a golden nugget, which we'll, uh, we'll touch on after the locks. But uh, the locks we've both agreed on. Um, or sorry, sorry, the yeah. lock, I should say. Um, but it has expanded out into locks because it is two definite locks now. First one being Max Gorn, uh, which we'll delve into a bit a bit more. What are your thoughts on uh, on him? Pretty straightforward? Yeah, pretty straightforward. So um, I might just jump ahead slightly um, and just go with it and just say that my locks for this season um, are Gondi. So I think it's just set and forget. Yep. Gorn and Grundy. Um, it's going to set you back probably about 1.4 million of your, your, your 10 million <laughs> but there's a reason that it costs that much please sir can uh, i have some eye watering <laughs> yeah it's, it's it, it hurt it hurt selecting them both but i just it, it's it's worth it i think in the end they, they just have the scoring potential uh gordon and grundy averaged a combined 258 points per week last year oh. um which is massive it's eye watering but it's also added security you know that if one of them does does go down, touch wood, let's hope it doesn't. But with the carnage of all uh, of rucks in the past week or two, um, it, it, could, it could happen. Um, you have this cash to splash with money um, with money left over. Um, so you, you know you're going to be able to afford the next best ruckman. You know you're going to be able to um, and have cash left over if 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 it does come to that. Yeah, for sure. And you know you, you can't go wrong. That's it's a part of your team. You don't have to worry about for the rest of the year, like lock and load, like penny injuries and whatnot. Um, but hasn't it been amazing? And I, I spoke to you about this off air that week on week, it was like a coincidence and then it became almost something fishy, like even like a higher power type uh, intervention where we've, we've had so many guys go down with injuries, but they've all been Ruckman. So we've had Proust yeah. go down with injury. We've had Marshall go down with injuries. We've had Goldstein also go down with an injury. And now Nick Nat, who's uh, been announced as being managed, uh, which probably comes as no, no real surprise. Um, but the fact that all of them are Ruckman, <laughs> it says to me that the super coach gods are whispering in our ears. I'm probably yelling in our ears because of those yeah, injuries, yelling. yelling, saying lock and load. Lock and load. You just, you can't gamble with it. It's an area of your team that even though, as you said, you're investing a whole heap of coin in, you're doing yeah. it for good reason. So um, for me, like I've got a few stats here, but there's, there's probably no use me reading them out. Everyone knows Gorn is a really solid scorer. There's not much more you can ask for. Durability-wise, I know he's missed 13 games across the past four seasons, um, which was three games in 2020, um, one in 2019, and then nine in 2017, which I think he had the knee injury back then. Um, yeah. But, I mean, for me, they're at that such a high price point. If they get injured, you can trade them to anyone. So, you know, and... and the thing is that I've heard people, namely my stepdad, who is ever the gambler when it comes to super coach, saying, oh, you know, I'm going to save some money, go for someone else like a, I don't know, uh, O'Brien, for example, from Adelaide. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Okay, like a point of difference, but you've got to think about it in terms of you're going to be losing out on those points that a majority of super coaches are going to be getting because they're lock and loading Gondi. And just a, just another stat, just just to, to show you the, the potential for Max Gorn, not even potential, but just the scoring ability of Max Gorn. He finished ninth overall on points last year and played three less games than, um, didn't play three games last year. So he finished ninth with the overall score. Gee whiz. That, that shows it right there. Yeah, I think I think that's just something that's that's really important to consider there. 
one guy um, who we mentioned there, who we haven't written down on our on our show notes, but just off the cuff, we mentioned him, Grundy. So just in terms of, you know, people have a bit of trepidation about selecting him, and I can understand that, but it's been widely reported that he had a bit of an off year last year. He didn't quite adapt to the hub, uh, and his scoring suffered as a result. For me, I think at his price point as well, like he is underpriced in my eyes. People I've heard on Twitter as well and on Big Footy, um, they've said that they're going to save a bit of coin and go for someone else. Um, like a, like I said before, an O'Brien or someone or a Nick Nat before he got injured. But for me, he's at a price point where you can't go wrong. I don't think he can perform any, in my opinion anyway, I don't think he can perform any worse than what he did last year. Famous last words, I know. <laughs> Knock on wood. But yeah. I, I just think that he's underpriced. Um, and the more I thought about it, which I didn't really initially until Proust got injured, is that he's, he's underpriced. And he's, you know, talking about what we alluded to earlier in the show about value versus, you know, uh, consistent scoring. Yeah. He's got both of that, yeah, I think, exactly. that he's in his current state this year. So for me, uh, you know, Without uh, going into too much detail, I think it's 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 a definite smart move to go with uh, with Grundy as well as as Gorn. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm with you there. On the um on the radar is uh, there's the next category um which Rip. I guess there's there's no one really that fills that uh, that role per se because um you know it was Bruce I guess um but now that he's injured out for the you know the uh, start of the season um and whatnot we can mention though. Uh, probably um, meld it into the smoky category just in yeah, terms yeah. of the opportunities that have come up for other players off the back of Bruce getting injured. And that's that's uh, Flynn for the Giants. Uh, and I think Mumford's come out as saying, I can't find the direct quote, but I did see it online, where Mumford himself has come out saying that Flynn's going to get some opportunities and yeah. Mumford will slot in wherever the side needs him or when, when the side yeah. needs him. So... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna come in as the number one ruck and... Uh, and I think he's worth it. It's about 123k or thereabouts. Uh, um, it is, yeah, 123. Yes. Just under 124. Yeah, 123,900. So, you know, he presents himself as a cash cow that you have to get. And I know yeah. traditionally talking about the, you know, the, the Ruck 3 spot, a lot of people select that as their, uh, as their loophole player. Uh, but I think this is the year where we've been presented with, you know, a, a nice little cash cow in the rucks that we wouldn't normally get, um, you know, in the mold of a, you know, an O'Brien, for example. Um, yeah. So, you know, here's one I think people should be jumping on. And in saying that, like you still have to have your own cash cow as well, but I think you can easily find that in other areas. Um, just looking at my own team, which again will change, but you've got uh, Davies from Gold Coast. I don't know if he's going to play many games, if any, but I think the good way to try and approach it is get those players who may play games later in the year that are bottom priced, but you know won't play games early on because you know as the season goes on, you're going to inevitably have those rookies that don't play every game or get injured or whatnot. So those present themselves as loophole options. Um, but you know, I think talking about Flynn as well, in the same sense, you could probably mention uh, 
Tracy. And Tracy, I think you pronounce it? I don't think it's Tracy. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard it. <laughs> uh, he's, he's the uh, new recruit for Frio and he, he's performed quite well on their intra-club matches. Um, I think the last one they played, he kicked three goals and was, was given really high raps from the, uh, the coaching staff there. So there may be a potential that he could debut early on. Um, I think Frio's got an injury or two in the forward line. Yeah, um, and uh, to their ruckman, Sean Darcy. Yeah, and Sean Darcy as well. Um, so he could pinch hit in the ruck if, if need be, or even handle the ruck. Um, so he's another guy, bottom price as well, 102400 who was initially, I imagine, a lot of people's loophole option. Um, but he's, kind of, <laughs> he's funnily enough come into calculations now to potentially get a game himself. So he is one of the guys, along with Flynn, that uh, you should definitely look out for over the preseason games. Definitely. Um, and with that, I think we should move on to the forward line, uh, locks. Absolutely. Uh, well, we say forward line locks, but uh, we don't say it uh, with a lot of certainty uh, because first up, we've got written here, uh, Dustin Martin. Now, I've got to, got to come clean. <laughs> I've got to come clean with the list. He was in my team. Uh, and I've written some notes here. And I, I did say that he's in my team. And I say his name with a bit of trepidation because I can't classify him anywhere near a lock. But I can't classify anyone else in the forward line as a lock. So by proxy, he was like, you know, my lock. But uh, I've got to come clean. I've actually taken him out of my side and replaced him with uh, with Paddy Cripps and done a, a good old... Um, DPP switch between the mid and the forwards. Um, but he could find his way back into my side. Um, but I'll read out some of the notes that I did take on him because he is still a quality option for those people who are, who are looking at getting a premium in their side for the, for the outset. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, there's so many premium options out there in the forward line who have so much uncertainty over them in terms of injury clouds like a danger field or guys like yeah. Dunkley who don't have an, you know, quite a, a short spot in the midfield, but, um, you know, just looking at him in terms of his durability, uh, he's only missed four games across the past four seasons, Dusty, and he's played, you know, 79 of a possible 83. So when you look at it from that context, he's quite a durable player, but he has, he's, he's the sort of player where he does have a tendency to get a bit of a niggle and it's almost like he just pushes through it and plays through it. Um, he's kind yeah. of like a bit of a danger field in that respect. Um, he's a bit of a, a bit of a cannonball, um, and he hasn't missed consecutive games since 2014, where he missed two. Oh, so wow. at least, you know, he comes with that bit of bit of durability and that assurance that he, he is going to play most games. And if he's going to inj- if he yeah. is going to get injured and miss a game, the max he's going to miss is two. And he hasn't done that in, you know, what's that six years now? So um, you can at least have that bit of confidence with him in terms of durability. Uh, Scoring-wise, we we all know what he's like. He usually starts the season off quite slow. And then as the, the prospect of finals present itself on the horizon, he uh, kicks it into, you know, into you know, third gear and, and up he goes. So, um, you know, if it was <laughs> if it was uh, a finals-top atmosphere for every game for Richmond, he would be by far and away the highest-scoring supercoach player of all time. There's no doubt about it. But um, he's averaged since 2013. He's only averaged 104, which... He's quite paltry compared to you know other media, other premiums, but he does have the ability to score massive, which is evidenced by 184, which he scored against the Dogs in round nine. Um, so for me, as I said, I'll come clean. He's no longer in my side, but he could find his way back into my team as a lock down the line. 
definitely. Um, he's he's not in my side currently either. Um, but yeah, he hasn't actually really been in my side. I'm a little bit wary of the fact that he he does tend to start seasons quite slowly. Mm. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he drops it in price slightly, and then you can pick him up, um, pick him up a bit bit later um, for for a bit of a better price. Um, but but you you make some really good points about about his scoring ability. Um, he, he does just come out and and just absolutely kill it. So he has a has a pretty pretty good ceiling um, as a player. Um, so. He's he's one to keep an eye on. Um, for me, he's probably more of an upgrade option. Um, if if he if he continues under some good form, um, through the season. Yep. The uh, I guess the the one thing which we probably should mention as well is he comes with a same as Dangerfield. He comes with that DPP option, so he can play as a forward or a midfielder, and that for me was the reason why I, I swapped him out for Cripps. Is that they both had a very very similar price point. Dusty's at five forty one six hundred, and uh, Cripper is at. 523700 so for me looking at the prospects between the two and from what I saw today at Crips of Crips I think he has the ability to start the season on fire mm-hmm. as opposed to a dusty now, having said that dusty absolutely tears my side to streets round 1 every year um, but then he <laughs> tends to taper off so um I'm picking Cripper over Martin with a bit more confidence um but yeah things could change as we know yeah definitely Who's uh who's your your guy that's uh, that you're eyeing off as your as your lock? Uh yeah, it's 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 Dangerfield. I'm gonna be honest. I will come clean as well. I literally just traded him back into my side, so I could say that he uh he was still in my side. Um, he has definitely been in and out a little bit. I don't I don't think I'm sold on any of the forwards as a, as an entire as as a real lock, um, especially those primos because uh, they've all got their they've all got some uh, concerns over them as you mentioned before, whether it's their role, like Josh Dunkley, or whether it's it's their uh, injuries. But I, I have got Dangerfield, um, and obviously obviously he's got his uh, concerns over, over his troublesome groin. Um, but um, from what I've heard, um, from what I've been reading, um, it sounds like he'll be ready for, for round one um, and will be playing um, round one, which, which does... Uh, does make me feel a little bit more comfortable picking him. Um, he's got that, as you mentioned as well, he's got that DPP status, which uh, definitely gives you more flexibility in your team um, to then be able to play play in the midfield if you need him um, to, to pick up for, a, for an injury um, if there is any. Um, and that's that's sort of the, the, main, the main reason. He's also pretty reliable. Um, he's averaged over um, over 100 since 2013. So that's... That just shows his consistency. Um, he'll all, like he's he's is averaged, literally he's turned up every averaged over a ton every season, for the past what eight eight seasons. Mm. That's Jeez. that's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, the one question mark I did have, well, I have had, is over his role. He is obviously forward eligible for a reason, and that's because he does spend some time up in the forward line. Um, so he's away from the midfield, but actually, I think. Uh, Damon, you 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 actually uh, showed me some of these stats um, on his on his CBA averages, um, and that actually did turn turn me into a bit of a Dangerfield fan um, for my team this year. Yeah, he, it's, that's the thing. It's kind of like there's a lot of talk about his role last year, and yeah, sure, he he played a fair bit of game time up forward, especially later in the season. But I think it's kind of a lot of people are making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, just in terms of looking at his CBA averages across 2020, 
They did drop off towards the later end of the season, but he still had 66% of CBAs. And that's yeah. that's second. That's behind 70.6 with uh, Selwood. So for me, he's still getting the the, uh, the second most average, on average, most CBAs. Um, so like there's, yeah, they're sure there's a little bit of worry him going out forward, but can you really be that worried when they've just brought in Jeremy Cameron? Uh, yeah, they're going to play the same, uh, that, that similar role. Yeah, because I think you've got to look at it in terms of the, you know, the, the troops that uh, that the Cats had on hand. I mean, they had Radagalia as their second tall forward option behind yeah. Hawkins, who, again, was he's not the most reliable centre-half forward, um, and he's he's played more as the mobile roaming ruckman anyway. And, you know, with, with a genuine superstar in Cameron coming to the Cats, you have a two-prong attack there with Geelong, and I think with... You know, you, you, there's probably no need for Dangerfield to go up forward now. Like he plays as a tall leading forward, he's going to end up getting in the way of both Hawkins and Cameron's leading patterns, I think. Um, so yeah. he might play as a bit of a relief forward, uh, if I was to guess. Um, but yeah, a lot of people saying, "Oh, look at their midfield. They've got Selwood, they've got Guthrie, they've got Duncan, they've got Menegola, they've even got Blitzarves." But I mean, if you break it down, sure, Selwood had seventy point six percent on average CBAs. Dangerfield 66. Then you look through the next best. Guthrie 56.5. Ripping season. But then after that, it falls away. Duncan, surprisingly, only had 27% of CBAs uh, on average across the season. Yeah, it's, it's a surprise. And then Managola as well. Um, a lot of people talk about him just because of his influence throughout the year last year. But he only had 1.4% CBAs on average yeah, okay. because he's playing more as a roaming wingman, uh, pushing up the ground. And then you have Blitzarves as well who ended up having 14.8% of CBAs, but he played more as a Ruckman in that role, yeah. similar to what um, Radigalia had. So to sum it up, like I'm, I'm, I'm selecting him with confidence now. He wasn't in my team um, up until about a week ago, but then when I found these stats, yeah. had a look at it a bit closer. I think now um, yeah, you, can, you can select him with a bit more confidence, apart from the fact that, yeah, he's got these niggles, but he's danger. Like he'll, he'll start. He'll play through them. What about for on the radar? Who, who do you have there? Yeah, on the radar, I've got uh, Jarman Impey. He's a he's a favourite of mine. Yeah. He's the looking at my team. He is the one guy who I think presents the most value across the entire competition. He yeah. is priced at um, what is he two hundred twelve thousand eight hundred, um, almost a rookie price. He's gonna he's gonna play every game provided he's fit. He's playing a, a role off halfback uh, with Sicily being injured now as well. He's gonna mop up the loose ball as a dashing defender off halfback for the Hawks, which as we've seen, Sicily has played, you know, to a plum. Like then you've also got um, Scrimshaw, who's also injured at the moment, managing a bit of an injury. So the, you know, the back line's his oyster virtually like, you know, he's going <laughs> to, he by all reports played quite solidly in the scratch match yesterday. Yeah. On the 24th. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I think, yeah, I'm selecting him with 100% confidence. Um, sure, he did his ACL late in 2019. But, I mean, you're going to be selecting him with even with that element of risk at that price point. Like there's there's so much value there. It doesn't matter if he gets injured again. Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. He's definitely one that's, that stayed in my team um, throughout throughout the preseason. And I think hearing, hearing him play off the back, uh, the halfback line... Um, yes, in in the in the uh, preseason game yesterday, it, it just sort of solidified the choice for me for him to be in my 
in my forward line. Mm. A lot of people forget as well, he, he has been tried as a rebounding defender uh, where games where you know Sicily hasn't been available or Sicily's been pushed up forward where in yep. 2019 there was a there was a stretch of games there where he averaged when he played solely as a defender because there were games where he played as a dashing defender and then was pushed up forward um, but if you only count those games he actually averaged 95 across a six game stretch yeah whew. and he's priced at 212,000 at 800 dollars exactly i think if you don't start him in your team, I think you're going to be uh, falling behind the pack. There's some serious cash to be made there. He's gettable. I think those people who want to adopt a wait-and-see type strategy, you probably can. If you select someone like a, a Danaher or a um, Zeeble. Yeah, it's not too hard to, to trade down to him. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, you can do that, but I'm just going to say save your trade and start with him because the majority of people will. Um, and if he gets injured... Trade him down to a rookie or trade him up to a Danaher or yeah. someone else. So, Yeah, definitely. I think it is it is price point. The the risk is, is pretty low. Yeah. Um, he's probably got a better scoring potential than most of the rookies and he's priced a little bit higher than most of the rookies, but not 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 at the point where it's it's too high. It's only he's only effectively uh, not even fifteen K more than uh than Will Phillips who who's starting in most people's midfields. As a rookie. All righty, let's move on to our uh, smokies. Let's speed it up a little bit. So we've got um, got three players here who we've identified as potential smokies. Uh, we've got Zebel, Danaher, and Jay Hill. Jay Hill. Jay Hill has done it again. Who is pronounced <laughs> Carl? I'm informed, which is uh, disappointing. But I'm going to persist with calling him Jay Hill. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's have a chat about uh, Zebel. Yeah, first come off the definitely. Track. Uh, so Zebel is currently on my side as, as the mid-priced option um, in the forward line. I've got a fairly heavy mid-priced option, uh, mid-priced mid uh, forward line at this stage, um, just because there's so much value I think in those in those forwards. Join the club. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of concerned, but I love it at the same time. Um, from <laughs> from all reports, Zebel played uh, pretty well across halfback um, in match sim on the the 19th. Um, I, I haven't heard much from the game to, uh, on the 25th, uh, against the, the, against St. Kilda, sorry. Um, so I, I can't talk too much about that, but, um, I think I'll be looking more to the, the, the next preseason, um, match to get a better understanding of how he'll play. Um, but one thing that I do kind of want to note is that in his last, his, in his last full season, uh, which was 2019, he averaged 91, um, and Surprise. since 2013, he's averaged around 84 and 95 every year. And um, he's priced at just an average of about 48. So there's some potential for some for good cash to be made off him as well. Obviously, his injury-affected season last year makes it a bit of a gamble. Um, but uh, some of the forward options not being as, as reliable or as attractive, I think his price and potential to make money and just to score make him an interesting prospect. Uh, for this year, and that's why he's, I guess, been in my team for for quite a bit of the preseason. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Like, he was one guy who I must admit he wasn't in my starting team because yeah. for some reason I just thought, oh, his his durability is absolute crap. Um, his scoring hasn't been that consistent. And when I saw the numbers, which you just read out there, I was like, is this the same player? Like, I must have confused <laughs> yeah. him with someone else. Like he. Um, yeah, I know he struggled a lot with injury last year. Um, but, I mean, putting that aside, as you said, like he's priced at an average of 48 
that's that's half of what he could potentially um, consistently make uh, an average. So, I mean, for me, he's he's a lock and load. Um, he's, yeah, sorry, I say lock and load because he should be in a lock and load, but he's still in that smoky bracket uh, in terms of that that price point. But I don't think he's going to find his way out of my side. He's going to he's going to stay there. I think he's uh, pre- presents too much value, very similar to Impey. Um, and just with that scoring history, even though his durability was down last year, you know you could you could say that it's a, a bit of a um, a bit of a blip on the radar for him. It's not a consistent thing. So um, I'm choosing him with with a bit of confidence. Definitely. And just just to note, last year um, in his his 48 that he averaged does include a, a zero score against Richmond. Ah, of course. Yep. Well, that's that's helped um, set him up for a, a juicy price point, which is which is always good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the second guy who we mentioned uh, is is one you're familiar with, and I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry to do this. Yeah, salty again. Yeah, salty. It, it kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Jared Waite, but Waite wasn't in the same class as, as Danaher, <laughs> but um, it did hurt me when he went to North Melbourne. Um, Joey Danaher. So um, he's one guy who is not in my side at the moment, and I think he's going to try and find it very difficult to find his way into my side at the moment, I think, yeah. because... I mean, you just got to look at his durability. Like Durable and Danaher shouldn't be included in the same sentence. No. Like they just don't go together. Um, no. He had a pur- purple patch in terms of his scoring across 2015, 16, 17. I think he won a few. Um, he led the goal kicking for the Dons, didn't he? Across yeah. the journey there. Yeah. yeah. And believe it or not, he actually played every game across those three seasons. Um, but that's where his durability begins and it ends. Because um, then from then on, he's played seven games, four games, and then four games last year um so across those three seasons i think that's probably a better reflection on his fitness at the moment and his durability yeah. as opposed to the three seasons prior to that but i mean he does come at a, a pretty good price point he's very cheap and that's that's for a reason um and that's because of that durability uh scoring yeah. wise um you can probably go into a bit of detail about this liam you, you mentioned to me about uh, his scoring capacity and the fact that it yeah. actually isn't as favorable as what people think no so actually it was Somewhat surprised to look back over this, but he actually hasn't had his highest scoring season has been an, was an eighty six, and the rest have been probably in the fifty sixty mark. the The highest other one was uh, sixty nine in twenty sixteen actually. And just looking at some of the scores where he has has had a big game, um, where he has had have had a big score of you know over a hundred. Um, they have tended to be when he's he's kicked big scores. Um, so I mean, there's there's an element of risk there as well. Um, if if he doesn't kick a big score, does he does he score he score well? And I think with going into a forward line with Hipwood um, and and McStay, um, it could be a bit of a risk um, with him actually being able to kick those big scores. Um, he may end up being the one that's the sort of double teamed when Hipwood gets a bit free or, or McStay, um, uh, which is just a possibility. I, I just think that the fact that he hasn't had any really good, strong seasons um, means that it's probably a bit of a risk to actually pick him. And then on top of that, you've got his lack of durability um, and you just don't know what's going to happen with him. Absolutely. And like, I just, I can't see him being a keeper in, in any realm. No. Like he hasn't got that consistency in his scoring. If you can get his, his body right, yeah, that's yeah. good luck to him, but I, I still can't see him, as you mentioned there, in terms of his scoring ability at full flight. He's, he's not going to be a, a keeper for me. So he might end up being a really good cash cow if that's the case, but yeah. I'm willing to take the risk in not selecting him. Definitely. I think a lot has to go right. 
and even looking at his at his season last year, he's got a hundred and three um, against Hawthorne in his in his sort of comeback game. I guess he kicked three goals three, um, and after that, his next three scores were thirty three, twenty three, and thirty four um, for an average of forty eight. Yeah, jeez. Um, so. I just, I just, it, it. I mean, obviously, he'll be going into a into a better side at at, at Brisbane, uh, where he'll, he'll probably have more of the ball in the forward line, but there, there's still just that risk of of him being actually able to score. And as we all know, um, his his goal kicking isn't necessarily his his strength either. <laughs> bah bang! That's a bit of a hip and shoulder on the way out to uh, good old Jerry Danny. I like that good stuff, man. but it's the truth though it is the truth um let's move on to uh another player um this is very bomber centric this uh this episode yeah i know what's did you did you write this i think you might have um might have jumped in no 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 i pick very few bombers players trust me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well we're just putting a cross through every one of these uh players that we're uh we're we're bumping up including joey danaher which he is the next on so but yeah. um, now we got uh, we got Cahill or Carl as he's uh, as he wants to be known. <laughs> yeah, so uh, kick us off. I mean, give us your, your insight because I don't really know much about him. He's only played a, two three games in his career. Yeah, three games. Carl is is an interesting pick, I'd say. Definitely on a watch and see list. Um, I'd want to see his next his preseason game against Geelong and see how he plays and scores there. I've seen him in a few different teams and I have considered him. Considered him. He has been in my team. He's priced at just over uh, 160,000, um, which means that he's right in there with the, the other rookie prices. Um, and she's coming in with a change in role. And that spot, I guess, is the real reason why I'm I'm looking at uh, considering him. Um, his sample size in, in Supercoach is pretty low and he played the, the three games last year and, and only averaged a score of 30. But that was, in fairness to him, as a small forward in Essendon's forward line, which is a pretty tough gig um, for, for anyone, really. Uh, but... In the preseason, yep, he's changed his role, um, playing off half back, and could be taking up that that role of the departed Sard and McKenna. Um, so there's not much scoring or game time to go off, and he, he hasn't played this role before. He's as a rookie, he was a small forward, um, so it, it's an entirely new role to him. Um, but his kicking efficiency is in his junior year was was pretty decent, um, and. <sighs> Having a rebounding role could actually be pretty scoring friend, super coach friendly, um, especially at the price where he'd make some good cash pretty quickly. Yeah. The one problem for me is whether he actually plays. Um, he has he did play in the in the in the pre uh, in the scratch match against Carlton. Um, I don't think he lit uh, lit it up to be perfectly honest. Um, but I don't think he was he wasn't poor by any means. I think he he needs to learn the role a little, little bit more. Um, he, he did have a, he did take a mark and and had a, or didn't have a shot at goal. He actually passed it off, but um, so he did get get forward a little bit. But I think um, Nick Hind, um, by all reports, the ex Saint, um, is who I think will definitely take that role. He's he's quick. Um, I think it's a natural role for him. He played in Essendon's VFL side as as a rebounding defender, and uh, if I remember correctly, might have set up a goal, um, running off half back. Um, to actually get Essendon into a Essendon's VFL side into a uh, win, win a final, I think actually, um, which is the only finals that I get to see us actually winning. <laughs> um, but anyway, but yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely a wait and see. I think. Um, yeah, I think unless he turns into a, a, a shutdown defender, which I like a small shutdown defender, which I don't think he he, he will be. 
Um, I just don't think he gets the minutes in the in the in the back line. I I don't think he did any, his himself any. Um, I don't think he did himself any harm today um, in his chances yep. of of playing um, round one. But I'd just be really careful, and I'd be worried that he might be one of those players that might get named round one, play a couple of games, not not set the world on fire, and then end up being dropped um, back to the back to the seconds. That happens. That seems to happen every year, I think. And um, there's at least one player. And now that I think about it, um, he's got the uh, he's got all the signs of, of that happening to um, to him, uh, unfortunately. But good luck to those who pick him. But I think at this stage, he's like Danaher, going to find it very hard to find his way into my side, especially because he's at that awkward price point where, like, I'm at a stage now where my team is is pretty solid, and I need almost every dollar. Um, yeah. To, to really make the most of my structure. So, you know, to pay up an extra 50-odd K on a, you know, 117K type player, to, to in order to get him, I think it's it's just too much for me uh, to try and find that spare coin to get him. And, yeah, he doesn't have that assured role. He doesn't have the, the large sample size of, of solid scoring. So, for me, he's too much of a gamble. Um, yeah. So, he's, he's a no from me. That pretty much does it for this uh, this this segment. And now it is time for our second segment, which I think will end up being a favorite of mine purely because of this sting to the segment, which is... I got to know. Yes, that's right. It is <laughs> I got to know uh, for those young'uns out there that don't quite understand that reference. It is a reference from Dirty Harry, which is an old classic Clint Eastwood movie, which is the, the famous scene where he says, Do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Anyway, that's that's enough of my um, Clint Eastwood impersonations. If you don't know what this segment is about, you probably have no idea. It is it is a traditional Q and A, just trying to jazz it up. We have a few questions that have been sent in by our loyal listeners, uh, and very much thanks to those people who have been doing that. And uh, if you want to throw in your uh, you know your mock team or any questions our way, feel free to hit us up again on Twitter at supercoach underscore edge or at our personal accounts at demo j eighty eight. Or at, wait for it, this is a long one, Al <laughs> underscore Evans underscore 95. Um, also, I probably should mention as well, Facebook, you can hit us up at Supercoach Edge. Just search that and you'll find us. Uh, first question comes from Harry at Hazat, which is H-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-A-T. I think he's trying to give you a run for your money there with your, with your handle. He asks, is one primo in the forward line too thin? Can we trust some of the guys at the lower end of the price scale? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I wonder if the Harrys take a look at my forward line. Because um, currently it is pretty similar. I have gone very, very light on in the forwards uh, with Dangerfield as F1 um, and Caldwell as F2. So it drops off, obviously, uh, from there in price, uh, down to Zebel, Impy, and then some rookies. Um, that's obviously might change as we as we go on. But at this stage, I'm thinking I'm going to be looking for more of that value in the forward line of those mid prices and the rookies. I think there's more there's more value there. There's not as many sure things in the forward line as I think there are in the midfield and the defense defensive lines, and obviously in the ruck. When I'm paying what 1.4 million or something like that. For my ruck line, I have to I have to make some some cutbacks somewhere, and unfortunately, well, not necessarily unfortunately, but that's the forward line. No, no, none of the other forwards other than Dangerfield and maybe Martin have really been big considerations. Martin's one that I think I'll get in later on in the season, and that's what I want to do is look at these these options that I think will present some value now, 
um, and then be able to get a better, better sense of who the, who the top six forwards will be as the season progresses. Because right now I think all the higher priced ones um, and all the primos aren't um, necessarily – well, those ones that are priced as primos aren't necessarily – ones that I'm I'm 100% certain in and I don't want to waste. Um, I don't want to bring them in and then have to try and trade them out later um, if, if they don't work out. And so in that sense, I've also gone across the field with some more, using my salary cup in, in other in other areas where I feel like there's a bit more certainty over who's going to actually be, who's going to present as, as good options with scoring potential. So, uh, I think you've gone the same way, Damon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we've been... Um... We've been selecting both of our sides uh, while sitting next to each other, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got Danger as my only premium, then Cordwell, Zeeble uh, as sort of my mid-price um, option, and then Impy as well, Cockatoo, and uh, a couple of rookies, uh, three rookies there, and in row, Durden and uh, Treacy, who was, there's a couple there who are placeholders. Um, but yeah, you're totally yeah. right. I think the way that I've structured my side um, and we'll probably talk about this in greater detail in um, subsequent episodes, but I've I've tried to find players that are, are assured of, of playing games. I think in the past yeah. I've kind of taken too much of a risk on, like, you know, even an extra rookie. I think normally I'd go with, you know, uh, one, two, three premiums in the in the starting spots uh, for my forwards. And then the, the next three have been rookies um, yeah. in the past. And I've found that, all it takes is for one rookie to get dropped or another rookie to get injured. And if you have rookies on your bench also that are struggling to get games or could be on the cusp of getting dropped, you then have to change your strategy in terms of uh, how you approach trades every week because you have to factor that in first and foremost in order to, you know, to try and avoid uh, a zero. Um, But like bringing it back to the initial question, I think the way that I've structured my team as well uh, I've gone heavier in the midfield this year where normally I'd, I'd probably take an extra risk compared to this year where I've got one, two, three, four, five, six premiums. I'm going to call them premiums because they are priced as such and I think they are going to elevate themselves to premium status and I'll go into them in greater detail in, in future episodes when they're locked yeah. in. But just to give you a bit of a taste, my sixth selected midfielder is Taranto. Um, and then the last two spots, uh, are rookies. Um, so for me, that's where my money's been spent. Um, and then obviously in the rucks as well with, with, uh, the Gaundy setup, um, (laughs) and then Lloyd Laird and Williams, uh, rounding up my, my top three defenders. So I think, yeah, that, that's kind of dictated the way, like that structure in my forward line has allowed me to, to bulk up my midfield. Um, and it's a different strategy to previous years. I never really go into the you know, any one season with the same strategy. I like to tweak it a bit because obviously what I was doing didn't quite work. So um, that's sort of, I'm probably giving away my trade secrets here, but that's that's one <laughs> thing that I've, I've kind of changed up this year. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the way I've gone. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's not going to be an uncommon thing for people to structure their sides like that, I think this year. Yeah, that's, I think, I think that's a very good point. I think, yeah, the job security in the forward line um, of those mid prices makes them a bit more, a bit more, um, like it just makes them more secure. Obviously, yeah. Um, if they've got that security of, of knowing they're going to be picked, especially with the changes in the uh, the team's um, selection deadline, I guess, of not being on the Thursday night and not finding out until the day before a game, you want to make sure you're not mm. you're not leaving yourself open to rookies who aren't going to be who are dropped or or aren't named. Yeah, exactly right. Perfect. So I think we'll move on to the next question here. Uh, so uh, this is from 
A yank on the footy. Uh, Craig whistles all the way from Sandusky, Ohio. Oh, wow. International this, listener. This is, this know, is, uh, this great. is great. Thanks for tuning in, Craig. Thanks, thanks, Craig. Uh, so uh, he, he asks, Craig asks, can I count on my favourite player in the comp, the one that convinced me to become a cat supporter four years ago, Nakaya Cockatoo, to help bank me some money on my club this year? Mm, okay. Interesting. Well, uh, it's funny he actually mentions that because I only just found out uh, probably midday. I was having a look and saw that Chris Fagan was quoted on afl.com.au saying, we're learning about his body. This is Cockatoo, of course. We're learning about his body and how hard we can push him. He's had one setback with a hamstring injury mm-hmm. a week or two ago. We've got to make sure his body is resilient enough to play AFL footy. Well, um, I think in light of that, and the fact that he has struggled so much with with injury across his career, he now goes from being one of the first selected rookies because of the fact that, yeah, he's been in the game for so long. He's going to get opportunities at Brisbane um, to now being on the on the fringes. I think off the back of that news now, you can't select him with confidence. You know, yeah. I think a lot of us were, were getting caught up in, you know, Grant Burchill, for example, going from Hawthorne to Brisbane, he's you know he went there with with dodgy hammies, I think it was, and soft tissue injuries, yeah. and they turned around, um, you know that that durability side of his game. And I think a lot of people thought, oh well, Cockatoo is going to go to Brisbane, and um, you know he's going to get the same result. Yeah. But as we've seen already, just with that quote and the fact that we haven't even begun hitouts, and he's just sustained that at training, that is uh, that is alarm bells ringing. Um, you know, we know that he hasn't played a game. For two years, um, he played two games as well in in 2018, mm-hmm. ten games 2017, ten in 2016, and then eleven in 2015. So he's been in the game for quite a while, and he hasn't had really much match conditioning as well. Um, and to get injured at training, uh, it's not good. It's not good. I think it's it's probably a blessing in disguise potentially because we're having other rookies present themselves. Um, yeah. But I think yeah, getting back to. To Craig's question, yeah, I don't think you can rely on him to, to be the cash cow that you're hoping he's going to be. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think I think you make a good point there, though. Let's move on to uh, to another question we had, um, which was a really uh, really good question. We both thought uh, it's from Kiev at Kiev fifty four. That's K I E V fifty four. They're trying to stump me with these these names just like <laughs> yourself. Uh, he asks Kiev. He asks. A lot of value is to be played in the ruck. Draper is a big pod, in point of difference, in my opinion. Long term, should I save money and play him over Gorn or a Gorn type who may have a couple of bad games on the trot and potentially get him cheaper? Or with extended quarters, could the price go up? What are your thoughts on that? All right. So I, I see, uh, I mean, I, I've sort of told you where my, I think I think most listeners would understand where my thoughts are. Um, with the, my description of my my ruck line and paying one point four million um, for two ruckmen, um, but I, I do see the point where uh, where Kiev's coming from. Um, I don't think it's the way that I would want to go. Um, I do think that it's easier to set and forget in the rucks. Uh, you, you're going to bag a lot of potential points there um, with Gorn and with Grundy. Um, a Draper type, well, I do think, I mean, as an Essence supporter, I, I love Draper. I love what he brings to the club, and I think he could be, he could potentially be one of our most important players this year, um, and probably one of the most improved players um, at definitely at Essendon this year. 
um, but I just don't know whether he has the ability to go for the same score as Gorn will. Gorn's proven to, you know, average 134 um, over over a season over the season last year. I think it was 134. Um, but um, I just don't think Draper has that ability, and you just don't want to risk losing out on those points. I mean, you have to consider what you can do with the price difference of Gorn. I mean, you're going to save, I think, 200 or 300k um, with with Draper. Yeah, it's it's close to about 400k. Yeah. Okay. So you you you're saving three hundred thousand. Yeah. Um. Three fifty. Um. And if if you can use that effectively across your team, maybe it's worth it. Uh. But it is also a big risk. You'd have to be able to net that, net that, those points that you're missing out from Gorn, by going with Draper with those other players, mm. to do that. And I just don't know if it's if it's if it's possible to do that. I mean, Gorn will likely drop in price. Um. As we've said, there was an inflation in prices last year due to the shorter quarters, um, and those top scorers sort of got inflated prices as a result. But I, so I don't think um, I don't think extended quarters will see his price go up. But I do think that um, it, it's a bit of a risk. So it's it just, yeah, I, I just I don't think I would go that way personally. Um, what are your thoughts, Damon? Yeah, I'm I'm a, a very similar mindset as well in in that. Um... Like for me, yeah, sure, you, you save money from the outset, which you can use yeah. in strengthening up other parts of your team. But in all reality and in all likelihood as well, you're going to be weakening your your rucks by doing that. Um, so you, you're sort of, what's what's the saying? You're robbing Peter to robbing pay Paul. Robbing Peter to pay Paul, yeah. Yeah, because pretty much like Draper, remember, he's coming into what, his second genuine year of playing senior footy now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no way he's going to, to match Gorn scoring. There's Even if Gorn starts slow, I think it's it's very, very unlikely. Um, you know, he, he could score quite well, but I think on a consistent basis, I don't think he can, he can match Gorn. Um, and then I think, you know, Draper's not going to be, in, in my mindset, I don't think he's going to be a keeper. He's the sort of player that, yeah, okay, you start with Draper, you get that coin which is saved from not going with Gorn, but down the line, you're going to have to trade out Draper and upgrade him to someone like Gorn after he's dropped in price. But you've got to look at it in terms of, you know, how do you put value or a price on a single trade? So you're going to have to trade him out down the line. And normally you think about trades in terms of trading out rookies on average, once they make about hundred K. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at it from that perspective, you're hoping that Gorn's going to drop about hundred K in order to, you know, make that trade that you're going to be using on Draper to be worthwhile. Yeah. And if he doesn't drop 100K, it's a waste of a trade, in, in my in my opinion. And then you've also got to think of it in terms of, okay, well, you're needing to find the extra funds in the difference, in the price difference between Draper and Gorn in order to trade a Draper up to a Gorn. And then also you've got to look at it in terms of, you know, the potential loss of points. If, if Gorn does fire and Draper doesn't start as well as you hope, you're well behind the eight ball um, because you've already spent that money that you've saved in selecting Draper over Gorn. And I imagine you, know, you don't have a spare 400k to, to then be like, oh well, let's uh, let's reverse that and, and try and stuff, yeah. yeah, and try and fix it. So I think it's a it's a really big risk, um, and it's just not worth taking in my opinion because um, it's going to hurt you down the line, um, and it's going to be similar to what we were saying with Jake Lloyd, the Seagull. Um, where it's going to be hard to try and find that extra coin 
to get him in. So I think that that's that can play into this scenario as well. Yeah, that, that pretty much does it for uh, for this week in terms of the I got to know segment, <laughs> which is uh, already my favourite. So uh, don't forget to uh, to send in all of your questions, uh, screenshots of your team and the like to our Twitter, which again uh, is at supercoach underscore edge at demoj88. And what was yours again, Liam? At L underscore Evans underscore nine five. There it's we go. Difficult, Damon. No, it's actually not. No. Now, now that you say it, there, <laughs> just uh, if you say it uh, five times fast, it's at L Evans ninety five at L. Oh no, I didn't use it underscores. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh, well, that, that pretty much brings us to the uh, the end of this uh, this marathon episode. Uh, before we go, though, we should mention that uh, we have started up a uh, a Patreon page. So. If you've loved what you've heard, if you uh, want to support what we're doing, um, anything that uh, that you can you can help out with uh, would be much appreciated. No obligations at all, uh, but we have three different tiers, uh, aptly named Rookie, Mid-Pricer, and Premium. Uh, they all come with a number of benefits, uh, one of which is access to our exclusive Supercoach Edge Discord community, uh, Talk Smack, Talk Strategy, all of that. Um, and also get exclusive access to a private Discord room where you can join in on a weekly live stream chat with myself and Liam um, and offer um, up-to-date advice. But also the uh, the big carrot uh, out of all of this is the premium tier where you get all of that and more. You get access to an exclusive one-off league. We're only allowing 16 spots here, so you've got to get in quick, where you have a chance to face off an exclusive head-to-head league with myself and Liam where you'll be fighting it out for an illustrious Supercoach Edge championship ring bragging rights and of course the chance to feature as a guest on our last podcast of 2021 whereupon you'll be inducted into the Supercoach Edge Hall of Fame as the reigning champ. All of the info will be in the show notes and uh, also we'll post it across our social channels. But that's us done for the very first episode of all time and for season 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode. Stay